Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey guys, and welcome to Paranormal Thoughts Podcast, and as always, thanks for joining me. I hope everyone listening is doing really well, and just want to say, if you enjoy this episode or any of our previous episodes, please feel free to go like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. Would appreciate if you go over to iTunes and leave a review over there. How iTunes works with the rating system is they have a one to five star option, and then you can choose to leave a written review as well but the thing is if you don't actually leave a written review your review doesn't show up with the stars so feel free to you know rate me whatever you think i deserve and feel free to let me know what you think really do appreciate feedback and really gives me an idea of what everyone's kind of thinking and and of course if you have any ideas anything you'd like to hear me talk about on the podcast feel free to email me at paranormalthoughtspodcast at gmail and of course jump over to our blog you can also message me through there as well and of course, there'll be some, some materials on the blog, as there always is with episodes, for today's episode. So we're talking about the Bermuda Triangle in today's podcast. It's an interesting topic because I've spoken to a few people who I'm close to, and just over the last kind of week, seeing what they kind of know about it. And everyone sort of knows the term, but it sort of depends on how much they actually know. Other than that, people kind of know that. It's this phenomenon out in the Atlantic Ocean where planes and boats seem to go missing without a trace. The Bermuda Triangle is made up between Florida, Puerto Rico, and Bermuda. And from Bermuda being the northern part, two sides of the triangle come down towards Florida and Puerto Rico. Then the bottom angle then joins up from Puerto Rico to Florida. So when you have that triangle, and this covers about 500,000 square miles. So we're talking a really large body of water. So what's so mysterious about it, pretty much since it was been discovered, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well, there seems to have been some very strange phenomenon that has happened in terms of people seeing lights. Often compasses will start to malfunction and not show true north. They often just spin around so people then don't really know where they are. People claim to see strange fog as well out in the ocean, and it even goes as far as people claiming to see UFOs. There's a bunch of different strange things that seem to go on out in this body of water. It is interesting because there's definitely arguments on both sides. A big a big thing that to keep in mind is that people claim that there's no more 
disappearances or accidents that happen in this Bermuda Triangle area compared to anywhere else in the world, really. It's when you kind of weigh it up, it's much the same. But then at the same time, there is some strange, some strange aspects that we still don't know exactly why all these accidents seem to happen or why things just seem to vanish. And of course, you know, depending on how you kind of look at this, you can definitely weigh up both options. But I've definitely gone into this being pretty sceptical. But, you know, at the end of the day, once you do all this reading, often no one can still actually come up with a an answer. They're all kind of theories. But sure, maybe something a little bit more natural compared to something paranormal is easy to fall back on. But at the same time, because we don't actually know, there's no reason why it couldn't be potentially paranormal. It's interesting because I feel like quite some years ago, I heard a lot more about the Bermuda Triangle. And now it's it's still a thing that people are researching into, but you don't hear about it so much. But just earlier this afternoon, before I started recording this, uh, 15 hours ago, someone had made an article about UFO sightings out in the Bermuda Triangle, and it was a really shitty, really shitty article. So I didn't really read too much into it. I just kind of glanced over the first few few sentences and clicked off it. But still, 15 hours ago, someone made a post about it. So it's definitely still a relevant topic, I could say. I've known about the Bermuda Triangle for quite some years, and I'm not sure where that stemmed from, but I definitely remember watching documentaries back in the day on like Discovery Channel, or might have been National Geographic, where they would do these paranormal episodic shows and they would talk about these kind of topics. And I remember hearing a bit about the Bermuda Triangle and people would kind of come to these, once again, conclusions, but they never have exactly been proven either. So doing all this research now, it's really interesting to kind of go, why have we still not kind of figured out exactly what's going on, you know, but that's what interests me and that's why there's still this mystery to it. And of course, it's always fun to potentially think about it being something a little bit strange compared to something a little bit more natural. But regardless of that, I definitely think it's worth talking about. So I think one of my first memories about the whole Bermuda Triangle topic was here in Australia. There's a place called the Gold Coast. And this is a pretty big tourist destination. Like that's practically what it's for now. You know, it's the Gold Coast being a really big tourist destination. We have quite a few theme parks located there as well. So we have a SeaWorld here. And I just want to clarify, it's actually not connected to the American SeaWorld at all. I think it's spelt differently either with a space or without a space. So they can kind of avoid copyright of having that name. But it's not connected to America's SeaWorld whatsoever. And they built this ride there and it was called the Bermuda Triangle. So, you know, when we were kids and you'd go to SeaWorld, you'd go on this Bermuda Triangle ride and it was a ride that had a backstory to it. So you'd go into a room before the ride would start and you would watch a a video presentation. Pretty much we were there to go out into the Bermuda Triangle because these volcanoes started to appear out of nowhere. We were being sent in boats to go and investigate what was going on in these volcanoes. So they already start to paint this concept, you know, me being like a six-year-old or whatever, that you're at this ride and there's these big volcanoes and people are getting these boats and there's aeroplanes and boats kind of scattered throughout making this facade of this mystery. And then you get on this ride and you go into these volcanoes and it turns out it's aliens. Like, no shit that aliens are making these disasters happen where they're able to get our technology. And like, my memory is a bit sketchy on this because the ride's been closed for about 10 years now, which is a shame because it was really, like back in the day, that that was really advanced, you know, and it was just good fun because the older I got and the more, you know, I really found myself interested in this topic. It was such a cool ride to have 
because it's, it's about aliens and the Bermuda Triangle. Like, uh, one still does exist somewhere else in the world. I should find a video of it and I'll put it on the blog because it's it's a trip. It's a really fun ride. But So that was my sort of first memory of the Bermuda Triangle was this theme park ride on the Gold Coast at SeaWorld. And it's just funny enough that they chose the concept of aliens because, you know, that is one of the options for why some strange things happen out there. And we'll get into that as well. But I don't know, for me, it can't all be aliens. You know, the, the amount of things we we kind of put up to aliens now, we really have to be kind of careful about those claims because it does hurt the the other aspects of this where it most likely could be aliens, you know, it it blurs the lines between what actually could be extraterrestrial and what is just, you know, us going, shit's weird, it must be aliens, you know. I think we definitely have to be careful because we're going to start looking like people wearing tinfoil hats and we already do anyway, but... And then, you know, it just makes the sceptics more sceptical. So, but anyway, I've got some points here and we're going to go through um, some things that have happened out of the Bermuda Triangle and, of course, kind of what I think about it all. Because it's interesting now, you know, because I've probably known about the Bermuda Triangle for, I'd probably say about 15 years or so. And now actually doing some serious research into it, it's really interesting to see because I thought it was always, it's, you always think, oh, that's probably been sort of solved by now, but it actually, it isn't. Uh, so let's get into a little bit of that. So one of the reasons people think that the Bermuda Triangle has this strange phenomenon going on dates back to the 1400s when Christopher Columbus, the Italian explorer, he was traveling across the Atlantic Ocean. He would have been situated in the body of water, which we now consider to be the Bermuda Triangle. He claims to have seen strange lights and also that his compass was malfunctioning. People rely on that claim a lot when it comes to the whole concept of the Bermuda Triangle that it always comes up. You know, if you go and listen to any other podcast about this topic or go check out a video on YouTube or whatever, read an article, they'll probably mention that Christopher Columbus was, he had these strange anomalies happening out in the ocean in the 1400s. But it's something to keep in mind that this is a really old report and that we actually don't have his journal or his or his travel reports. It's actually been documented by someone who wasn't even with him on these journeys. It was a son of someone who was actually traveling with him who had the reports and kind of rewrote the information that he thought was important. So, you know, we're not hearing this firsthand by any means, but it's interesting. But I'll just go into a little bit of depth into what it has been reported that he saw. So the mysterious lights he saw, I'm going to read the quote here. They sailed that day and night, 27 leagues in a few more of their own route west. And on this night, at the beginning of it, they saw the marvellous branch of fire fall from the sky into the sea, distant from them four or five leagues. So that was the report of him seeing lights, so a type of fire branch falling into the ocean. And of course, his compass also started to malfunction, that it wasn't showing true north. They were kind of panicking about it, you know, because they're out in the middle of the ocean. And then Christopher said, we'll wait till the morning and we'll kind of see if it fixes itself. And it did. So for whatever reason... There seemed to be this strange magnetic field, I suppose you could say, that seemed to be messing with the navigational system. Definitely starts a base for the Bermuda Triangle, but I think people put way too much emphasis on this. That's all I'm going to say. There's about 3,000 ships and 1,000 planes that have crashed or sunk or just completely vanished from this body of water. And the most famous case is Flight 19. If, if you know much about the Bermuda Triangle, you've probably heard about this case. It's definitely the one that's got a lot of information and it's kind of the biggest, 
I suppose, the biggest case because there was five aeroplanes initially and then even a sixth went missing as well when they were trying to find those original five. So the 5th of December, 1945, 14 Navy airmen left Florida for a routine training exercise known as Flight 19. The flight leader, Lieutenant Charles Taylor, radioed the control tower letting them know of his compass failure. This is a quote from Lieutenant Charles Taylor. We don't know which way is west. Everything is wrong. Even the ocean doesn't look like it should. I think that very last part there, the ocean doesn't look like it should, it's a really weird thing to say. Flying over the western part of the Bermuda Triangle, all five planes were never seen again. Lieutenant Charles Taylor was in charge. It is up to him to navigate the five aeroplanes back to the base. And I suppose him being in charge, he's the one who calls all the shots and he's the one who seems to be having trouble. And I've read that all five planes were actually having trouble with their navigation systems. But then I've also read that that's not the case. Potentially, they they may not have been having an issue, but because they're higher up, they're the guy who's in charge of all of them, uh, if he's saying he's confused, they kind of have to go along with that and go, all right, well, okay, I guess we're lost too then. We'll just keep following him because we don't want to get in trouble. So the base was telling him to fly west so he could come back. And he was just kind of saying, no, 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 the, no, the compass is wrong. I feel like we're going a completely different direction. So it sounds like he was suffering from vertigo as well, which is really easy to happen, especially to back in these sort of times where you literally kind of had to go off pretty basic tools. You know, your navigational tools are really simple. And if you can't make much sense of them, because if, if they're failing or you're just, you know, having vertigo, it makes the whole ordeal really tricky. So they were flying around for a little bit and then he kind of said, when we have about 10 minutes of fuel left, we're all going to abort. We're all going to bail out and they'll just have to come find us. So they did that. All five planes went down together. I suppose it's better for them all to be together so it's easier for the search and rescue to come and find them. So they all bailed out the base sent out a search and rescue team. And then one of those planes ended up going missing as well. And they think they think it might have caught fire midair and had to crash into the ocean. So that's a sixth plane all in the same day that has gone missing in the Bermuda Triangle. And none of those planes were found and there was no sign of any of the crew. This is something too I thought I should add. I've only probably heard about this twice during all my research into Flight 19, but I think it's still worth mentioning. I'm not sure whether or not it's the case by any means, uh, because it seems like majority of credible sources don't seem to mention it, but I'll mention it here anyway. So apparently Lieutenant Charles Taylor also said a little bit more in his audio communication with the control tower. This is apparently what he also radioed in. Don't come after me. They look like they're from outer space. Don't come after me. The text of these and all radio transmissions from Flight 19 are on public record in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. This is obviously adding to the concept that extraterrestrials, UFOs, could have some type of play on the strangeness of the Bermuda Triangle. I'm not sure about that claim, uh, that he also said that. I'm not sure. I haven't really been able to find much else of it, but apparently if it is in the Washington, D.C. archives, well, it's worth mentioning anyway. So that's sort of the, that's the most famous case so where six aeroplanes all on the same day went missing and they had a ridiculous amount of planes and boats out in the ocean looking for them that night. They looked for them for quite a few days too and nothing ever turned up of them. This case I thought was really interesting. So this was in 1880. So 
We've gone from aeroplanes now to boats. The vessel Ellen Austin found a deserted schooner ship. A schooner ship, because I had to look this up, I am no maritime expert or anything like that. It's a large sailing ship, almost like you know something you'd see pirates would have. That was the best sort of description I could give. So this crew found a deserted schooner-looking ship out in the Atlantic Ocean. Because it was deserted, the crew from the Ellen Austin thought, well, we'll divide into half and half of this will go and we'll bring the schooner ship back. You know, no point leaving it out here. We could use it. So both ships start to do their voyage together and then at one point they get separated. Then when they both reconvened again, the abandoned schooner ship was once again abandoned. The entire crew who left the Ellen Austin and went to this schooner ship have also now vanished. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So I think it's things like that where, where did all these people go and why did it happen twice? You know, that's something that's really spooky and you can kind of start to, you know, get your conspiracy hat on about that one and think what could have happened here. Here's an interesting case from December 22nd, 1967. Dan Burak in Miami, Florida was a businessman and an experienced sailor. He had a seven meter cabin cruiser, which was titled the Witchcraft mentions that it was not only stocked with life jackets, floatable seat cushions and flares, it was also equipped with a flotation device in the hull that made the boat virtually unsinkable. So on this day, on December 22nd, 1967, Dan Barak invited one of his friends out into the boat and they went for a small cruise along the Miami coastline to look at Christmas lights. The conditions for that day were winds to 10 to 20 knots, seas 4 to 6 feet and the island water is a little bit choppy. 
It's about a mile out from the Miami beach when their boat struck something. They radioed to the Coast Guard to say, we need a tow back. Our boat struck something. Dan sounded really calm. Didn't say the boat was sinking or anything. Nothing was really too much out of the ordinary. We just needed to be towed back. So the Coast Guard thought, all right, we'll be there really shortly. You know, and he knew the kind of vessel that Dan had as well, where even if it did start to sink, you know, they, they're definitely stocked up and it shouldn't be too much of an issue. They're only a mile out from shore. The Coast Guard gave them instructions to set off flares in about 20 minutes' time where the Coast Guard would be close enough to come and rescue them. And from that, Dan Barak signed off. He was never heard from or seen again. The Coast Guard set off and only took them about 20 minutes to get there. They were surveying the area and there was nothing to be seen. They were waiting for that flare that they told them to set off at that exact time and just nothing came. They couldn't see anything. More boats joined in the search, but the witchcraft was never found. I think these cases are really interesting because there's some real weird mystery to them. Even if the boat was to sink, they weren't that far out. Within 20 minutes, there wouldn't have been much drama. And why couldn't they shoot off their flares? They just literally vanished. That's that's the weird kind of cases. I get when, you know, people get confused when they're flying an aeroplane and then they end up having a crash land into the ocean and they get swept away. You know, that's pretty pretty common or a boat that actually does go out into the ocean and then there's some really bad weather and these waves are huge, you know, and some of these boats just can't, they just can't sail through that kind of water condition and they do sink and people just aren't found. But when you have this case, I mean, the case of the Ellen Austin where people have vanished into thin air in such a short amount of time, really, it really does make you question what could have happened. Interesting that most of these cases have actually been in December, I've just only noticed that now, but Bruce Gernon was an experienced pilot. He would often fly from Florida to the Bahamas and vice versa. And on this particular day, he was flying from the Bahamas to Florida. And this trip would usually take about an hour and a half, an hour and 40 minutes. Bruce and his two passengers set off at three in the afternoon from the Bahamas and took off into the sky. And there was a little bit of light fog And then that ended up being quite a severe storm. So because he was in quite a small plane, he was going to try to fly over the top of the storm, but the plane just wasn't able to do that. So he tried to go around it. And at some point, he ended up having to fly straight through the storm. And he ended up in what he kind of calls almost like a time tunnel. So the clouds were completely around the aeroplane, but there was this circular type tunnel that he could fly through. He said it would have taken, you know, about three minutes to fly through this tunnel um, before he got to the opening. But he says it only kind of took like 20 seconds. So the distance and the time were two really bizarre things while he was in this tunnel. And what's also weird about this tunnel is there was these lines and he kind of felt weird like he was floating. He didn't really feel like he was flying this aeroplane. And luckily that he was experienced because all of his navigational systems and everything were just not showing the correct information. So he was really just flying by the seat of his pants. So a lot of people don't believe this story, but this is what I think is interesting, that the flight control in Miami said they actually lost the plane on their radar when he flew into this into this tunnel. They said, you know, we haven't got you. You've just completely vanished. And you know, he's like, well, shit, I'm in this weird tunnel at the moment and, you know, I don't really know what's going on. But anyway, he flies through, luckily, and comes out the other end. And he said then there was almost like this grayish kind of cloud and in one way or another, that it seemed to be electrified, like a like it was a magnetic-type field. And then he ended up being right over the top of Florida. And he was still about 100 miles out from Florida before he flew into that tunnel. 
So within seconds, really, he's just travelled 100 miles, which is impossible for his plane that only travels about 200 miles an hour. So he was able to do that within about three minutes compared to what would have taken, you know, another half an hour, 40 minutes of his flight time. And then he ended up appearing back on the radar right over Florida and no one can make any sense of how the hell he got 100 miles in a few minutes. A lot of people don't believe it. You know, it does sound very far-fetched. I think the thing of him being lost on the radar and then him reappearing over Miami is... That, that to me is kind of like, well, something definitely seemed to have happened there. And that's one of the theories that people have about the Muta Triangle is that it is some sort of wormhole type time altering place where, you know, time is kind of relative more so and you kind of can end up in other places within a very short amount of time. Let's talk about some of the reasons why some of these things might happen at the Muta Triangle. One of the biggest things is that it is a magnetic field. You know, there's some strange magnetic type anomalies out in the Bermuda Triangle that seem to make compasses and these navigational systems fail and malfunction. There's still no 100% proof of any of this yet. I thought there was. There's some scientists who claim that because the islands of Bermuda are actually situated on an underwater volcano, so the rock from the volcano that happens after the magma cools has a lot of iron, which gives some really strange magnetic properties to the rock. They found this 200 miles from where the volcano erupted. Magnetite is the most magnetic natural substance on Earth, and there claims to be 500 billion tons around the islands of Bermuda. This much magnetite could actually alter ships, compasses, and even affect aeroplanes. I'll post the video to this in the on the blog post, but from this magnetite, the scientist's compass gets altered by 10 degrees. And when you're flying an aeroplane per se, that is quite a significant change in direction. So being 10 degrees off, you could end up, you know, really far off your course. So this is a theory that they have that this could be altering the ships and aeroplanes to go off course and, you know, eventually run out of fuel and crash or for whatever reason hit something and sink. So that is one option for why the Bermuda Triangle has all of these occurrences that happen. So as we know, Florida and Puerto Rico, they get hit with quite severe weather. And this could be a reason for why so many issues happen. Aeroplanes fly into bad weather, they crash. The seas get that rough, that boats end up sinking. And that's definitely a reason for why these things could happen. Weather makes the most amount of sense. It's the most natural reason for why we have all these disasters out in the Bermuda Triangle. And of course, Puerto Rico this year has just been hit by Hurricane Maria and and that's been quite devastating. So definitely the weather in that part of the world can get really severe. Water spouts are something really interesting. And definitely if you check out some videos of them, they, they literally look like a tornado, but they are over the ocean. And it's hard to actually get how large or small these could actually be because they're always from quite a distance but they seem huge, you know, and they definitely seem like if you were in the middle of the ocean and one of these things came tearing through uh, where your boat was, you wouldn't really stand much of a chance. Another theory is that bubbles erupt from the ocean floor. So what these bubbles do when they erupt is that they lower the density of the water. So this means the volume of the water will expand, but the mass of the water stays the same. So the buoyancy of these boats will actually decrease within the water making them sink. So this would mean there would have to be a really large eruption to bring down some of these massive ships. But apparently, 
this could actually be the case that these bubbles suddenly there's this release of gas and then if the ship is in the wrong place at the right time then the ship will end up sinking it's a theory anyway that could potentially lead to why there are so many ships that sink the most recent discovery has been these hexagon-shaped clouds that appear above where the Bermuda Triangle is situated. And they believe that these clouds act as air bombs. So air is pushed from the bottom of the cloud down into the water. And then practically you have this burst of air that could be quite fatal to these either aeroplanes flying below these clouds or even ships in the water. As I mentioned earlier with the pilot who flew through the time warp tunnel, is that there's this whole concept of that there's something weird with time going on there. So you might be portaled to another place, another dimension. Who knows? It could be because that something like that seems to have happened before, potentially. This theory could also then tie into the idea that aliens and UFOs are also somehow involved in the Bermuda Triangle concept. Here's one case I came across that's pretty well documented, which was in 1971, where a UFO hovers over a ship. And the ship was a USS John F. Kennedy. And they were out on the Bermuda Triangle and they believed that they had this experience where a UFO was hovering over their ship. At this time too, they were having some strange problems with the ship, like their communication was failing. I think their radar was also failing. And apparently two of their planes also wouldn't start at the time of the UFO hovering. And there's even claims that these people in these black type suits landed on the boat after the UFO had left. And they're asking questions, but I'm not sure, like... You know, it almost sounds too perfect, doesn't it? But who knows? You know, it was the 70s. So so that was the one claim where people who, I suppose, uh, held in a high regard as well because we always do high, like hold people who are some sort of like uh, officer of the law or a doctor or a lawyer. You know, we for whatever reason, we hold these people, we hold these people's reports in a much higher vicinity. But these people claim to have seen a UFO in the Atlantic Ocean, in the Bermuda Triangle. But that's really the only case that's been well documented. Everything else has just kind of been, there's videos you can see of people apparently out in the Atlantic Ocean seeing lights, um, other people, you know, there's, there's claims of course, but I think to stretch as far to say that it's something to do with UFOs, that why all these planes go missing in these ships, is quite a stretch. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really make a ton of sense to why in this vicinity of area why there would be so much activity. Um, it's interesting though, and of course people always want to bring it back to aliens and, you know, if you listen to this podcast, you know I'm a huge fan of, you know, the whole extraterrestrial thing, but I'd, I like to try to keep that separate as much as I kind of can, you know. If I think something is because of that, I'll say, but something like this, no. I think, and this is the thing we haven't touched on yet, is... The thing that probably makes the most amount of sense with the Bermuda Triangle is human error. You know, as I mentioned earlier, with Flight 19, the captain having vertigo and losing perception of where he was. And, of course, human error is the biggest thing. You know, it's there's so many things that can go wrong while you're flying an aeroplane or being out at sea. It's, it's something that was probably a majority, definitely the majority of the reasoning why these things happen. But then at the same time, too, I think... As we've kind of covered in this episode, there's some strange things that can't be explained as well. And there's a bunch of other things too that obviously you can get to touch on, but there's definitely something strange that has gone on out in the Atlantic. So I think that's my thought on the Bermuda Triangle is that majority of it is most likely explained by human error, weather, 
and then a very small percentage does seem to be unexplained and we don't understand exactly what has gone on because people can't tell us, you know. And then I suppose people who do experience odd events, if we don't actually believe what they are telling us, then, you know, we don't really have much to go off. So I think the Bermuda Triangle is really interesting and it's something that I think all of us here would really enjoy just to want to believe in, you know. There's always something great about a mystery and it gets us all excited and it's just fun to read about and to, you know, I completely get it and that's why that's why we're here talking about it. But I think there's still something a little bit mysterious going on because of some of the things I mentioned today. It's I don't think it can all just be explained by a natural cause. So let me know what you guys think. I'm really curious. You know, have you heard much about the Bermuda Triangle? Are you a bit of an expert on it? Definitely let me know in the comments of this podcast. Love to hear what all you guys think. And just to um, mention too, I have a a survey for this podcast over on our blog. So our blog is paranormalthoughtspodcast.wordpress.com. There is a link in the description of this podcast. If you have a couple of minutes, feel free to jump over there and fill out the survey because I just want to get some feedback on um, how we can kind of improve the podcast for uh, the next year because we only have two more episodes after this episode for 2017. So I'd love to get a bit of feedback and see how everyone's kind of sitting with the podcast currently and come back fresh next year. But thanks, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast or if you've listened to any of our previous podcasts, please feel free to like, subscribe, follow. Depending on your podcast platform, we'll give you that option. New podcasts every fortnight. That might be changing next year. I might talk about that in another episode this year. But we'll wait and see anyway. But, guys, thanks if you made it this far. I'll catch you in another podcast soon. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.